Want to know more about what your favorite ninjas have on their minds? Check out the American Ninja Warrior podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcasts, and it's a great listen for any Ninja Warrior fan. Hello, and welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. This is your host, Kian Sobani. It is the 27th. It is almost the end of the international break. We're about to record a podcast with Sam Sharp, our Castilla guy. And it's always fun with Sam. Uh, just, an, just an awesome person to, to chat football with. A lot of fun. So before we get underway, just wanted to give a quick shout out to our patrons. Patreon.com slash Managing Madrid is where you go to pledge. Uh, you can get different rewards based on your pledge. Get access to bonus shows, at least one or two bonus shows per week. And uh, and also get different rewards like guaranteed responses to your questions, etc. Patreon.com slash Managing Madrid. Shout out to these $10 plus patrons who um, have supported the show. And if you pledge $10 or more, you actually get a specific shout out on the podcast. So shout out to Mikhail Nilsson, Frederick Sundros, John Fernandez, Said Mahad, Nick DeStefani, Adam Dorsey, Leon Stavronakis, Christian Gonzalez, Bjorn Salvador, Nicole Gant, Sergio Monleon, Yahya Ibrahim, Willie Reed, Nick Ribeiro, Eric Rogers, Saad Omar, Sheikh Atiri, Oluwapa Mimo, Oladunjoy, Christian Toft, Dan Berthy, Armin Gashi, Tarek Sphere, Tyler Dixon, Raghav Potluri, Vicky Cohen, Gary Kohut, Sujai Wani, Pena Maridisa, San Francisco Bay Area, Brandon Stevens, Catherine Fagundo, Vinod Baratula, Zoran Basinchic, Sway Ayala, Crystal Glass, Rafael Servia, Yahin Liang, Ahmed Almayahi, Umar Mahadi, Magnus Lex, Jason Fitz, Anton Hackberg, Solomon Ortiz, Brendan Powers, and Daniel Smith. Thank you so much, guys. You guys are all freaking amazing. Really appreciate the support. And without further ado, this is the Managing Madrid podcast with myself, Keon Sobani, and Sam Sharp. Let's go. Welcome to the Managing Madrid podcast. We're almost through the international break, which has gone on far too long. Almost as long as the gap between when Sam Sharp and I record podcasts. Uh, Sam Sharp is here to join me, Kian Sobani, for, I would say, a biannual appearance. Welcome to the show, Sam. <laughs> Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here, as always. Last time you were on was the Emergency Solari podcast, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. Yeah could be right last year then <laughs> yeah well you yeah. you did your castilla podcast with uh remind me of the gentleman the, who covers oh nav yes nav. Uh, 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 young gentleman who follows barcelona um great guy and i i plan to do more very soon but it's uh it's about keeping that standard of guest up at the moment you need to get on that yeah absolutely i do um, i totally there's, gave there's you the green plans. light for your own castilla <laughs> podcast and then you did one <laughs> I, I prefer a guest than a, than going solo. That's for sure. Um, I agree with but that. But I've had some I've had some big yeses. So watch that space for sure. You've had some big yeses. From... Yeah, I don't really want to. I, I, this is a good question for you. Have you ever had um, 
a current player on on Real Madrid's books on the podcast or never. Wow, managing Madrid history could be made soon. Now I won't say anything more. Um, but there's some there's some people out there who I'm trying to get in. If you can do that, I mean you'll you'll be you'll go down in history. <laughs> Absolutely, it'll be worth the wait. I'm sure. Uh, I the thing with it's really hard. As yes. as oh, you know, yeah. you've gotten yeses from players, mm. but and then well, but was... then they say go to the club, and the club always says no. The club just the club hates. <laughs> Unless you're Mark or us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this this player was, he was out on loan, so he was, uh, we were going to do it. We had a date, we had everything, and then uh, it got a little bit more complicated because obviously he returned to the club and and the club do say no a lot. So we'll see. Right. Um, The closest we've gotten, anytime we've gotten a player, it's always been through an agent. Yeah. The agent, the only chance you have is through the agent, never through the club. (laughs) <laughs> thanks for the advice we'll see yeah um where where do we start i feel like there's a lot i first of all i mean we we did a, we did the solaria podcast and a million mm-hmm. things have happened since then oh wow but i haven't i haven't really talked to you about solari everyone knows how you feel about him <laughs> um there were good points to this tenure i mean it was it ended as embarrassingly as you might think it would, but I think the way he handled some of the youth players coming up was exceptional, and and there were there were really some positives to take away. Um, but on the whole, it was it was just as, as much of a shambles as you might think at the when, when he was hired. W- would you take him back at Castilla? No, no, mm. no way. <laughs> no, I don't think. I don't know. As long as it's not Real Madrid, I don't have to think about it anymore. Let me ask you something, okay? Mm-hmm. Gun to your head. And and like your entire family bloodline, on your genealogy is on the line. Okay. Uh, you have to win, and you get you have to get promoted to Segunda Bay. Okay. And you have to either choose a Solari is the coach, or okay, or Luca Zidane is your starting goalkeeper every week. Um and well, luckily for Luca, he's made this one easy because he's I'm he's improved leaps and bounds. So I would go with with Luca starting. He 100%. looked good. Um, yeah. So obviously that that question wasn't entirely serious, but you and I have over the over the last couple of years, we've always joked about how mm. the Luca Zidane thing was a bit of a joke because like he did show flashes of brilliance. With Solari, it was like you know we were all just waiting, f- we were counting down the days. Yeah. I watched that game against Ponferradina last weekend yeah. and one of the benefits of the international break obviously is that there's really m- not much going on in terms of clubs so like apart outside the national teams you usually have time to watch Castilla yeah and Lucas Zidane actually played really good in this game really really well and and this season he's been uh nothing short of fantastic um again if you asked me that question a couple of years ago he he really was I it was just the consistent mistakes he was making I think that made him him so bad and obviously the fact that uh, his second name is Zidane. That helps a lot. There have been some really talented goalkeepers coming through that just haven't seen the light of day, which is unfortunate. But at this moment, I think he justifies his place, at least in the Castilla squad. I'm not sure he's the best goalkeeper in the team, but he he's fine being there. Who's the best best goalkeeper in the team? Javier Balmain. I think he's the best yeah. goalkeeper Castilla have had for for a while now. But again, he's played single figures at the moment so i'm i'm really confused about a lot of these appearances uh through, so this is kind of the reason i was excited to talk to you about talk to you today okay 
What like what happened to so many players that have impressed me over the couple, last couple of years? And I know oh. you're more tuned than everything. Bellman is one of them. Where I was like, every time I watch Bellman play, I was yeah. super impressed with him. Mm. Moha like had has has had his frailties, but mm, he's he's sure. obviously promising. Yeah, Bellman Bellman was always confusing to me. Um, I actually thought from what I saw of him. I also I actually thought he was even good enough for like Copa call ups if Real Madrid ever yeah I wanted agree. to but I mean obviously it's more complicated because usually the backup goalkeeper gets that because he yeah. he really gets to play and then you had Kiko there but Bellman mm. was always really pr- promising to me why isn't he playing more so again I literally think as harsh as this may sound Lucas Zidane's I mean Zinedine Zidane when he wasn't the manager of Real Madrid uh, was still watching Castilla almost on a weekly basis I think yeah. The power and the influence he has over the club is universal. Um, I, I don't want to slate Lucas Zidane for getting more opportunities than anyone else, but I really think there there is something in that, um, and that is unfortunate for the for the array of talented goalkeepers that have had to take a seat and and watch him uh, get chance after chance, even when he was because he was truly terrible at one point. I I mean that. Um, Right now, he's fantastic, but I'm not sure that justifies the the amount of chances and the opportunities he's gotten over the the past three years. I'm on the I'm on Javier Bellman's uh, Twitter account right now. Oh yeah, his last tweet, March 25th, says one person unfollowed me. He lo- he loves botting that stuff. Yeah, yeah. The one before that, <laughs> March 22nd, five people followed me. March 19th, six people followed me, and one person unfollowed me. This goes. He's active then, huh? This goes and goes. <laughs> February 7th, he tweeted. He retweeted one of Cantera Real Madrid's tweets. Oh, cool. And it goes back to the robot stuff. <laughs> I know no, it's him because he's talented. followed he's by correct. you and Julio uh, Julio Sanchez, our mutual friend yeah. who works for Amazon TV. Genius. Uh, mm. Bellman is one. I, but, uh, the, I think, you know what the thing is, Sam? Like, every time I watch Castilla play, and it's obviously mm-hmm. not as much as you watch them play, and you write all those great match reports for the site. Uh, one thing that is recurring to me and I kind of just get the gist of it enough and and watching them over the years I, I I've kind of had a feel for how this works their defense and their individual defending has generally been good like this is something we've recurred recurringly we talk about uh well, yeah. and whenever we talk about Castilla whether it was last season's defenders you want to go back to Mario Hermoso Diego Diego Llorente um, Javi Sanchez this season the wing backs have been consistently good like you go it's so deep Atraf two mm. seasons ago um, Quesada and then Reguilon and then this season Fran Garcia Sergio Lopez have both looked great mm. not many clinical strikers since if any at all since Mariano and Mayora left um, Danny Gomez and Cristo are good players. Are comp- I, especially Danny Gomez, he has that fight to him. And Cristo, yeah. I don't think either of them are just prolific scorers. But one no. thing that I've noticed is that a lot of these players who are kind of good for Castilla, they just they actually we don't really see their true potential until they leave. Yeah, I think that's that's similar for for young players in general. Is that they 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 need that moment in time where they just kind of blow up. They need that couple of months where they find their form uh, and they start scoring. I was talking to Nav in the last podcast and we, we were, we find it funny that three goals in a season is actually a normal number for, for a Castilla or a B team striker because um, they just need to find that rhythm and consistency and they all share minutes. Um, I'm surprised by Christo. He's hit double figures two seasons in a row. So he's not as, 
He scored for the first team as well, so he's not as quite in front of goals as you might think. Uh, he's having a rusty patch at the moment. I think he missed a penalty on the weekend. Um, but it, it, it's difficult, and they just need that kind of that period of time where they just really kind of accelerate. Um, and that's how they become these top-level players. They don't go from Segunda B to, to La Liga in, in a week. It has to happen over a, a short period of time. That that penalty that Cristo missed, I think he was watching too many Ramos videos. He just shot it straight down the middle. <laughs> yeah, maybe not as delicate. But... And I was like, yeah, well, that's what it looks like when you don't get it right. It looks terrible. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was poor. But I mean, aren't you surprised even? Like, I, I get your point. Like, that's how kind of, that's how it works with young players. Mm. Did we think Hermoso was going to be this good? Did we think Diego Llorente was going to be Did we think Oscar Rodriguez was going to be this good? I didn't. I mean... So it... Uh, yeah, it's two surprising uh, first examples there because they were both fullbacks who were expected to become top class very, very quickly. Um, and they had to transition from fullbacks to centre-backs. Uh, and you never know how that's going to go. And then they, they've become top-level players very, very quickly. Um, I don't think... I wouldn't have, when they were playing fullback for Castilla, thought they were going to be fantastic centre-backs. Some of them, both of them, in fact, have been Spanish internationals. I think Hermoso got an assist in the last game. Uh, for Spain, yeah, yeah, it was a beautiful assist, actually. Oh, really? Wow, really, really so, beautiful assist to Morata. Again, you never know how football turns out because I just wouldn't have expected them to to be fullbacks, let alone decent fullbacks. Um, and Oscar Rodriguez even more because he was just plainly average for the for the entire season, besides one game. Yeah, he was uh, good. At, he was at, good at the juvenile A level, then dropped off yeah, significantly. Yeah, very good year. to be fair. Um. But the jump from Segunda B to La Liga is is enormous. So for him to be playing average in, in Division Three and then scoring the winner against Barcelona in La Liga a year later is is nothing sort of miraculous. Uh, the the other defender that I forgot to mention earlier was Manu Hernando, who mm. he is one of those juvenil A graduates, right? Uh, with yeah. Guti, him and Oscar and Franchu, those guys, they all kind of came up together. Yeah, I. Him, Manu Hernando was a standout to me against Ponferradina. I thought yeah, like I his yeah. reading of the game, the way he steps up, kind of reminded me of Javi Sanchez as well. The way he, the way he kind of reads the game, mm. um, can can distribute. I thought him and Fran Garcia were the two standouts for me. Which like when I watched those two, I was like, I think those are the two that we look to. Like I don't know, two three years from now, and they're somewhere doing yeah. something good, like in La Liga. I think. I think so many players over the past few seasons have surprised me with where they've gone on to, to play. So I think that will only carry on. And I, those two are good examples for that. On the flip side, which is what's amazing to me, is that the ones that I actually do expect that, to go on and do well don't follow in the same footsteps as you'd think. Like, the ones that are okay, they are they don't really impress. They go on, they have they play well in La Liga. The ones that actually like are the team's best players, they kind of just disappear. And... I mean, Alex Febas is one of them. He didn't disappear. Maybe disappear is a harsh word, but he's in Albacete. He's not in a big La Liga team. Like, what uh-huh. happened to him? What happened to Quesada? These two were great. Now, with uh, Febas and Tejero at the moment, um, I Tejero think is another it, goes, one. it goes under the radar, but they are having maybe the best seasons out of many of the Real Madrid loanees. Okay. Um, they play for Albacete in uh, La Liga 2, and they play for former Castilla boss Luis Miguel Ramos. You must be familiar. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So they must be, I think they were top of La Liga 2 for a long time. They were relegation candidates at the start. He brought them in, obviously, using his contacts. Um, both of them scored world-class goals on the weekend, and they are just, they're chasing La Liga promotion, which is historic for, for this club. 
Um, I really think they're both of those two in particular having excellent seasons and it, it really is under the radar. And if that, that team were to go up, which I, I really hope they do, uh, I would like them to go back there next season as well. That's good to hear. So you're thinking mm. if they if they get promoted, they they might as well just stay they there. stay. And I think they would start as well because Tejero had uh, competition, one or two right backs that were just more experienced, perhaps better than him. And he started every game and he's been fantastic this season. Febas is currently in the team of the week, I think, for La Liga 2. Um, but yeah, those two particularly are doing very well. Cathada is not doing so well at all. I think they're in the relegation zone, his team, Cordoba. Mm. He's mm. 23 now too. I think that yeah. ship has sailed probably. Yeah, it, it is a shame. Unfortunate um, as it sounds. It's a short window, but it, it, football's harsh like that. So we're going to dive into questions. And a lot of them are Castilla related, obviously, because it's the Castilla podcast. Mm. Um, a lot of our listeners sent in questions. I answered quite a bit of them on yesterday's written mailbag, which is on managingmudget.com. So go check it out. We'll take a couple left over. Uh, but this one will be mostly focused on Castilla. And also the players on loan and some 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 cool things. I, just stick around. This is going to be a fun podcast that always is with Sam. Um, this is the one I want to take first because this one is interesting to me. Vinod Baratula says, Have you ever seen this kid, Real's young Ibrahimovic, Pedro, play? And Vinod is obviously referring to Pedro Ruiz. Um... Interesting. I have seen him play, uh, but obviously only for Castilla. I have to say this quite a lot. I have to defend myself. My academy knowledge for someone who follows uh, the youth players at Real Madrid is, is very poor. Uh, I don't follow it's it enough as I should. No yeah, one, absolutely. No one really does. Like If you don't, no one else does. That's it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, How often has, has he played for Castilla, though? He This season, he only played once, but last season, he did get a handful of games. He got did four he? or five, okay. which for, for an under-19s player, especially a first year, is is pretty good. It's impressive. He didn't score. But you could see on the ball he he had what it takes, and he's he's a physical specimen. He's tall, he's big, he's strong. He's a, he's a handful of defenders. Um, soon enough, he he'll be promoted to Castilla for sure, and and we'll find out a lot more about him. But he looks good. He he's got an eye for goal because he scores a lot of goals for the the nineteens. So he looks decent enough. So I mean, he's been playing in the UEFA Youth League. Yeah. One thing that has stood out to me about this kid is like <laughs> when you look at him on the pitch. Because obviously the the parallel with Ibrahimovic, the easy comparison is is because of his height. Yeah. <laughs> when you look at him on the pitch, it's he literally looks like a a, a mythical figure creature walking <laughs> amongst little kids. Like it's like like I'm if if like all these kids are they're. It, I don't know. It, honestly, if you didn't know the situation, you didn't know his age or anything, you you just think like. <laughs> These kids have all gotten a ride with their parents, and this guy has driven himself uh, with. <laughs> <laughs> I need to ask for ID or something. Uh, and he, and then I was like, maybe it's because he's playing with kids that he looks so big. And then I checked his height. He's one point nine seven meters. Mm. He's. Do you know how tall Zlatan is? I don't. One point nine five. So he's no. taller than Zlatan. Wow. And he, he's actually a very just uh, a humongous human being. He's big, yeah. But he he actually has a nice touch and technique. Like mm. I I think like first of all comparing him to Zlatan is already like he's almost doomed <laughs> to fail because that's such a high high bar. And Zlatan's Absolutely. technique was unbelievable, ridiculous for, for his like. 
I think like the advantage of being short is that you have that low center of gravity. Zlatan just made up for it with like tremendous technique and skill. <laughs> While Pedro Ruiz looks comfortable with the ball at his feet, I mean, he obviously has to be polished a little bit. I was looking at some of his compilations, and forgive me, I'm not pretending to be a Pedro Ruiz expert here. Like you, I'm not watching him play, you know, game mm-hmm. in, game out. One of the things that struck me about his player comp, comp on YouTube was that a lot of it is just a whole bunch of nothing. It's like a two-minute compilation, and a, a, some of it is just him clearing clearing set pieces as a defender like he just goes back and heads things away <laughs> oh wow <laughs> um, but some of his goals are actually really nice and he can he, yeah yeah he's uh he seems interesting like i'm intrigued i if he's playing for castilla give us something in castilla to cheer about man like put put these guys in there like why this is my other this is my other frustration sam mm-hmm. why can't if, if javi sanchez uh and players like that aren't playing with the A team. Why aren't they starting every week for Castilla? Why can't we make Castilla as good as it possibly can be? I feel like I don't know if it's not. It's just something that the club isn't taking seriously. I just like if I'm a sporting director, if I'm coming in as a president or someone like, and I want to make some changes to Real Madrid. One of the first things I make a push for is I need that team needs to be in Segunda every single year, competing at a mm. high level. I yeah. get there's turnover. I get that a lot of players come and go. You need to groom them. You need to send them out alone. You need to send them to to better teams. Yeah. If you're in Segunda every year, you you make it easier for yourself because you're yeah. always at a level where you can just pump that team with talent and they're playing at a high level. Mm. Where's Where's Javi Sanchez? Where are these guys that should be playing? We can we can for Castilla. Uh, I think you're spot on there, by the way. They, they do need to be playing as high as possible. But I guess it is even in Segunda B a, a development first come, first serve uh, in terms of objectives. So they, they need to mix the minutes. Um, I've got the stats up here. Everyone nearly, apart from the yard, Vinicius Junior has played double figures in games. So they, they really is a share of minutes going around. Javi Sanchez has played more games than, uh, let me see, any other centre back except for De La Fuente. So, what are what um, are his numbers after he got called up? Is my question. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I don't actually think they're that high. You know, well, that's it what is I a mean. strange like, one. What he just gets called up once, and now we think he's a Real Madrid senior player, and then <laughs> <laughs> he he was suspended. To be fair, for at least a week. Okay. Um, he's play. He's in and out. Um, but it is yeah. It's an odd one. I think. In terms of when I have seen him play, he's been just as strong as a first-team player would bring them down. He's been excellent. He's um, and I think he'll be vital in terms of this playoff push. And if they make the playoffs, he will, he'll need to play nearly every game. Um, but I can't, I can't tell you why they're not playing as much, though. I, I simply couldn't. Why, why aren't we sending Brahim Diaz down there? Now, this, yeah, this does get in my head massively. Um, I don't know. He signed, how many minutes has he played? 23? Uh, if that. <laughs> It, that's I don't immense. have the stat. I believe you. I, just, I don't it, know why. I mean, the the thing that baffles me the most, they paid about 15 million euros, didn't they? Um, yeah. He's free in in a month, in two months. Well, he's I played, think the concern, was, the concern was if you risk letting a bidding war go up for him in the summer, then you might not get him. Then Which, you might not get him. But if, at the moment, it doesn't seem like we need him. He, I don't I don't understand the signing. It really, it's, it's, it's making me scratch my head every day, Kian. I, what's he doing right now? I had the same question. You're preaching to the choir. I've I've been asking this question for a while. I, it was one of the most bizarre signings I can remember, and it's not even just the fact that 
you know, if it's, I think it's the fact that his particular position is the one that there is so much depth in, mm. even at a youth level, like Odegaard, Rodrigo, Vinicius, all these guys yeah. who are, even those three are not even, you have no idea if they're even going to get a, a sniff of first team action, first of all. Yeah. I mean, Vinicius you do, but the others, I mean, you can kind of guess. You, I'm pretty sure Rodrigo Gosh will have a bright future. I'm pretty sure Odegaard, you know, something will come out of him. Where I don't yeah. understand Brahim Diaz. Like, and he came, he comes to a club, by the way, because he Guardiola wanted to keep him. And uh, he said that, you know, he just we just can't because we can't give him playing time. So naturally, he comes to Real Madrid where Isco and Asensio can't even play. And they're in his position. <laughs> well, what have they promised him to, to bring him over here? I mean, they can't have promised him much at all. I, I, I don't understand it. Um, yeah. If he was to play for Castilla, his, his career minutes would have doubled or even trebled by now. I, uh, I just don't get it. It really confuses me. Here's this. He's played 16 minutes in Copa eight, <laughs> and 8 minutes in La Liga. So that's the comp- 24, combined 24. Right? Yeah. Not bad. I mean, I said 23. So. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> so No, I, I, yeah. I hope that changes. I don't know if they can change it mid-season because obviously there, there's the squad number problem. Uh, where I think he has to be above 25 uh, to transfer from team to team. And he's, oh, okay. He's, well, that yeah, changes yeah. things then. Yeah, then so that, maybe they can't whole discussion register him. Irrelevant. But when they sign him, perhaps just give him the number anything. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. I feel like there's, there's a lot of, of stupidity that's gone on there. Check out the American Ninja Warrior podcast for a behind-the-scenes look at all the action of the show and more with your favorite competitors. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Spencer Hall. I'm Holly Anderson. I'm Ryan Nanny. I'm Jason Kirk, and we're the hosts of the Shutdown Fullcast, your Avengers of college football podcast. It says here in the script I'm to riff on what that means, and basically what I mean is it's all already spoiled. Every Tuesday, we talk about everything from cooking disasters to pro wrestling to unfashionable pants we wore in middle school. We also do talk about college football every now and then, like mascot fights, announcers fleeing the booth early, and unfashionable pants that coaches wear now. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it should be taken, subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. I feel like that Brahim Diaz signing to me also felt a bit... um... It came at a time where Real Madrid just kept getting bad results. <laughs> and so I think this was like their way of just like signing and announcing someone to kind of just <laughs> say, like, hey, look, we're, we're on it. Yeah, I, I do. I remember looking at the uh, the replies and I, they weren't too happy. I mean, it's not it's not signing Eden Hazard, is it? It's I don't know if, the, if they were expecting a positive reaction signing a, a youth player after after going out and getting whooped by some some other team. Right. Yeah. Um. Question from uh, John Khan says, why hasn't Sergio Lopez signed a new contract and why is the club freezing him out during this crucial stage? I guess he's another one where like clearly he, what he, he's definitely the best right back Castilla has right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where, where has he been? Uh, again, I, I cannot tell you. I don't think there's anything funny going on behind the scenes. When it was mm. Danny Gomez, you knew it was it was publicized. Um, he, he was the top scorer. He was the best player on the team. And all of a sudden, he just went he just went away. He wasn't on the bench. He wasn't in the matchday squads. Um, and it was public. It was public knowledge that something was going wrong with Sergio Lopez. I didn't think anything was out of the ordinary until this question has been said right now. Um, 
he started off really well in the season. He dropped off a little bit, and now Danny Fernandez has played a little bit. I think that's normal. Um, I will keep an eye out from now on, but I've not. I haven't seen anything out of the ordinary to suggest that he is being frozen out. Um, question from Christopher McCormick. He says, "Where do you guys think Christo is going next season, and who would you like um, to see take over Castilla next season?" Uh, emphasis. Christopher says emphasis on who you would like, as more than likely Solari is coming back. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nightmares. Um, the question about Christo is good. Um, again, that's speculation. I don't know. There's no rumors, but I know it will be higher. That's for sure. He's he's consistently scored double figures twice in a row, which for a Castilla yeah. player is quality he's he's gone he's had a stint with the first team which again is something you put on your your resume and it helps you out a lot he scored for the first team um he will play higher i would like to see him play as high as possible uh that is not always possible uh so maybe la liga 2 might be realistic but if you can push on and play la liga and he can find some minutes there then excellent he's got Um, the advantage of the fact that as a striker as a spanish striker mm. it's literally like the position one position in Spain right now where <laughs> a bit of a shortage it's not that there's just a shortage it's that there's plenty of players that just there's no one clinical right now no, there's literally I'll... no there's clinical Spanish strikers like the most clinical ones we have in La Liga right now are like Jaime Mata who are like 30 years old <laughs> Raul de Tomas who yeah. looks great like no definitely not sliding him but it's not like there is any particular Spanish striker just Scoring buckets and buckets of goals. So, like, yeah, may, I, I could I see a La Liga team taking a gamble on him somewhere, I think. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't say he is clinical. I'd say he he's very much a, a Benzema-type player. His link-up play is, is fantastic. On yeah. the ball, he's got a, a decent amount of ability. But at the same time, you can't not call him clinical because his numbers are very, very good, especially in uh, a Castilla context. 13 goals this season mm. in and 28 It would have been more missed a penalty, obviously. I think he, he will score again. If you hit that 15-plus mark, then you've had a very, very successful season. Who would you like to see take over Castilla? This is a tough a question. I've got, I have the characteristics in my mind of the ideal candidate, um, but putting a name to that, that uh, those characteristics is, is more difficult. Uh, Solari was in, was in his question, wasn't it? Not Solari, please, but... The, the current under-19s manager looks really uh, talented. Um, Manolo Diaz has done a good job. I think we need to to acknowledge that. Sure. Um, my dream, my pipe dream would be Guti, but that that ship has sailed. Mm. Um, so it would just be someone who I would like, a young candidate who, who really likes free-flowing, attacking football, follows the club's ethos. Um, that, would, that would be perfect. I don't have a, a direct name, though, so apologies. Isn't it just obvious that this is going to be Raul's job soon? Potentially, yeah. He's not done a bad job. I would like to see him step up perhaps to maybe the UEFA Youth League uh, and see what he can do there, see how he gets on. Um, the problem with, with peddling these coaches really, really quickly or these ex-players as coaches is that it can we know this now, it can go wrong. And to, for me to have any other uh, image of Raul would be uh, a catastrophe. I'd hate it. That's my biggest fear. That that was my biggest fear with Zidane too. And those two are my fav- mm-hmm. two favorite players of all time. Yeah. Uh, I will say this about Raul. While I have zero, I just have zero idea of what kind of coach he can be or will mm. be because I haven't watched him at the level he's coaching at. 
Um, and like you said, and it's it's more more likely that he'll fail than succeed if we're being on, 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 honest. Because Zidane was a complete anomaly in what he did. Yeah. Uh, I will say this about Raya. He's he was a very very intelligent footballer. Like he really understood the dynamics and like where to be off the ball. His IQ, his pressing, his relentless um, defensive efforts. His positioning in terms of meaning across, like knowing exactly which run to make off the ball. I feel like that will come in handy. I mean, now I don't know if he can read the game like a, a midfielder would, you know, like. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, And it is just a completely different role. I think obviously being this playing experience helps, especially at the highest level. He he played at the very highest level. Um. But there's a lot that comes into management that I don't think players realize when they when they first step in. Um, we don't talk about him enough, but Chabi Alonso also won his first trophy today. Did you know that? Oh, really? No, yeah. I didn't. It's been a busy one. Infantil wow. A. Oh, cool. Um, they won the league today. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, again, another potential candidate then and one that I wouldn't be opposed to if if the credentials were right. Um are they now? I don't know. Um, well, the, but, in terms of like likelihood of succeeding, Xabi Alonso fits like the prototype. You would think so, yeah, absolutely. He's, um, he's a, he was a genius, like yeah. charismatic. Seemed like he would be a good leader, and he's like I think there's like maybe one or two people who like if even though I've never seen them and they're completely inexperienced in terms of coaching, I, I I'd bet on him like as like someone who would probably be a <laughs> successful coach. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Again, I, I don't want to jump the ship because I don't want to paint or I don't want to see him at a different tint to the way that I have previously. Um, but again, if, if he built up that that reputation, then I would welcome him with open arms. That'd be perfect. This is this next question is a good segue. And I, I really like this question. It's interesting. Uh, Ruth Widge Reddy says, this question is for Sam Sharp. What do you think of breeding the youth team players and their style of play around the style of play of the senior team? Wouldn't that make the players from the youth level feel much more comfortable integrating to the team's style of play? Correct. Um, and I think that's the best thing uh, an academy can do. Uh, as the objective of an academy for a club is to make first-team players for that club, not anyone else. And as much as I rate the success of Real Madrid's academy for how much the, the players can fly the nest and they can go and be successful for other teams. Uh, it, it does boil down to who does who does the, the success for Real Madrid. Um, and I think if they, they all followed the style age group by age group, that would make it a lot easier. But at the same time, it doesn't always translate to that because especially in the, the youngest age of the academy, they, they don't play 11 aside. So tactically, you can't implement much. They're still learning a lot technically. But the way I think a good example is the way Barcelona do. I don't want to toot the rival's horn, but um, they share their ethos and they share their values all the way down from the first team to the the under nines, the under eights. And you often see videos being shared of their their youngest teams shaking hands because that's mandatory for them. Uh, after games and consoling players if they if they have beaten them um they really try and drill in those values from an early age so that they can work on things uh such as their their possessional style of play when as soon as they get a bit older um that's what that might look like i think it is the best way to go if you're an academy um obviously real madrid i'm not sh- quite sure they they follow that rule they they bring in these young coaches that are learning the game themselves and they give them a bit of a clean slate i think that's quite effective as well um but when Solari was manager, I don't know if this is a good example or not, 
the the players tactically um, were not prepared to go out and and play competitive football elsewhere. They just were not. They weren't given the tool set to to do that. Some of them have seen varying levels of success, but some of them have just dropped off completely. So I agree that a club ethos that that each age group might follow is a great idea. I I agree with you hundred percent. My concern is, what is it? Because I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> well, the, with Real Madrid, you might say a lot of players come out and they say, oh, Real Madrid taught me the, to never give up, to keep trying sure. to the end. That is something that I hear a lot. Um, That's a very intangible thing. Great. I believe in that mm. 100%. What is your actual, like, on-the-pitch identity? And again, with, with a manager like Zidane or Solari, what would that be? That's a great question because um, tactically, sometimes they can be all over the place. You know what I mean? So it, it is difficult. It, it depends on the manager. It depends on the club. Um, I think Real Madrid has a set of values which they already implement into their players. Um, but yeah, you do have a good point. Well, it's not like to me, like the, the biggest problem until Zidane came was that the coach turnover is so ridiculous at Real Madrid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you have to think about that too. And um, the, the A team coach also. Like, that's what I like. And that's where it starts, really. That's where mm-hmm. the identity should start. Exactly. If, if you're going from the top down. Uh, that changeover would be would be madness. I think every coach would would be swapping in and out every few months. It wouldn't be very consistent at all. Um, and players, especially at a younger level, need that consistency. Right. And so each each manager that comes in can be completely different than yeah. the identity of the previous one. Absolutely. Like you the extremes that you went through at Real Madrid, Mourinho <laughs> and Zidane were the two that lasted longer. So there was like mm. something at least brewing in terms of identity. Yeah. But you went from. You went from Ancelotti to Benitez, like, quickly. And two vastly different management styles, mm. different football philosophies. Then you went to Zidane, and like you had, which, like, it was a complete unknown at the time. And now, luckily, you have Zidane. And then you went from Lopetegui, Zidane to Lopetegui. Lopetegui is his own complete different style yeah. of play. And then Solari, which is, like, completely different again. Mm. Yeah. So it's impossible to, because you're starting from scratch every time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess in a, it's a better idea in theory than it perhaps is in practice. But I do agree that it is perhaps the highest standard that a club can achieve if they if they are all one club with one identity. But again, there are problems that you would have to, to work around. Well, assuming Zidane is supposed to be a long-term project, which mm. I think he established something before he left in the summertime, then that could help with the situation. But yeah. I, th- I think... I think the solution ultimately is you need a sporting director who has yeah. a long-term vision who can tie it all together. Because something that Munchie was able to do with Sevilla is like when one coach leaves, you mm-hmm. are in charge of bringing in the next coach that that has a nice kind of continuity and rhythm to it, but also brings something fresh. And so the style of play, the, the, it's not completely peeled away, you know. Uh, and then And then you kind of, you have this ethos run down to the youth system so that the youth team coaches kind of have, know um, what the identity is. And I'm not saying you have to necessarily copy and paste it down to the lower levels, but at least if you know what it is, then that transition should be made easier for you in theory. Yeah, I think the negative to that would be uh, what I do like about Real Madrid's academy is that they they hire a lot of ex-players who are, who are coming in for their first ever managerial jobs. And that freedom would be taken away if you know what I mean they would have to follow a strict set of guidelines set by the first team manager the sporting director whoever that's true. so that yeah I like the fact that uh, players come here to learn how to be managers um, 
uh, I think that scene, we wouldn't have had Guti. Guti, who actually hasn't achieved anything as a manager yet, so I can't really toot his horn. Um, but I think he is an incredibly talented manager, and I think he'll go on to do great things. He wouldn't have uh, been able to do anything that he did. He played Danny Gomez uh, in spite of contract problems. Um, he played Sergio Diaz despite him uh, being forced out on the wing for Castilla and deteriorating week by week. So that um, kind of freedom and, and tactical gameplay would have, have completely vanished. Um, but I, I, I actually am in, in for that idea. I think that's a good idea. Well, it is funny like when you actually think about how chaotic Castilla can be. It's like <laughs> when, you, when you even think back to this season when Solari was coaching Castilla before he went to the A-team. Yeah. Uh, it's just a mishmash of random players every week based on who's available. <laughs> and then you throw Vinicius in there. And like, yeah. And then like the entire game plan, I, you know, I was, I was there. I, I was, I was in the yeah. stands for Atletico B uh, for a couple other games this season. It's just, and then like Solari laughed at the game when he, when he told me like, he's here because uh, we're not really here he's not really here to integrate into our tactics. He's just here to like train mm. and be used a certain way. So he wouldn't really necessarily defend much with Castilla. He would walk around, score a golasso, leave. And it's like, what is this? Like, it's, it's great. Like, this is obviously like way above this level, but there was yeah. no like clarity on like actually what's going on, what the plan is. It's just kind of like just this thing that exists. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really strange. Some of the stuff that's happened at Castilla over the past couple of years has been unexplainable. It's the weirdest things I've seen in football have happened in the, in the past couple of years at Castilla. Zacharias Malmkovis says, how does the Castilla, uh, how does the, sorry, how does this Castilla side and how does Castilla stand compared to other big clubs and their youth teams in terms of bringing up future superstars and percentage of players that actually end up playing for the big clubs other and other things that stand out. If you only look at the youth teams of today, what club has the brightest future? Uh, good question. That's a tough one to compare, really, because in Spain, uh, the B teams have a lot more influence than they do uh, in, say, kind of Germany or Holland. Uh, I think in Holland, they've got these kind of, I don't know how to pronounce it, they've got Jong, J-O-N-G teams that are, that are effectively the same as B teams, and they play in, in their leagues. Um, in terms of Real Madrid's youth team compared to other clubs youth team I think they are up there and I think the players that they put through in the past few years has put them perhaps at the top of the tree even um but again it's it's a tough one to compare that I would like to see I think you mentioned the percentage of players playing for big clubs yeah yeah I don't have the stats on that I do apologize but that would be really interesting and I think Real Madrid again would be up there uh obviously the big names such as Ajax would probably be up there as well Barcelona still are uh, produce a lot of quality well in terms of like how does Castilla compare to others Castilla does very well mm. in in the sense that if you go down like all of La Liga's teams and their squad lists, there are so many ex Castilla players all throughout <laughs> La Liga. Like, yeah. So, like, maybe like the question about big clubs, maybe there isn't much, but there are so many just good, solid players in La Liga everywhere. Like, you can go down and like think about players like Paulo Sarabia, um, yeah, or 
you know. I mean, even even if we're talking big clubs, I think Manchester United have one, Chelsea have one, Atletico Madrid have four or five. Well, United have um, Mata. Sorry? United have Mata. Yeah, Mata, uh, Marcos Alonso for Chelsea. Uh, they had Morata, who's now Atletico, with Adan, uh, Felipe Luiz, Juan Fran. Yeah. Pa- um, Pacheco's been one of the best keepers in La Liga for a couple of years now with Alaves. Mm, absolutely. Um, so there are a fair few, even at the very biggest clubs. Um, I, I, percentage-wise, I could not tell you, but I, they are definitely up there. Uh, and uh, currently, I think one-third, maybe even closer to a half of Real Madrid's current first-team squad are Castilla graduates, which I find amazing. And it's just risen, risen, risen every single year. And it's something that, uh, as a reporter reporting for Castilla, I'm very proud of that. That number rises and the trophy in count uh, keeps rising. Uh, there was someone had actually put together a, basically like a, a kind of this graph that showed who has the most youth team graduates in the league. And it I was Real Madrid. as well. Yeah. Mm. It was all like the number one in terms of like just the production that where players graduate and go and become successful. Castilla was the highest. Yeah. I think like when you want to compare it to someone like Barca, which is very easy to do. So forgive us for doing it. But. And if you remember, Sam, when me, you and Alex Kirkland did a podcast a while ago. Yeah. We taught we did a, a Castilla all time eleven. And we kind of realized like who would even how many people how many there are that even just would surprise you like you could if you really really wanted to. Uh, you probably shouldn't, but Saul was went through Castilla, um, but barely played if he even played at all because he he uh, was actually for Atletico. Yeah, I f- I have the idea that he left around under 16s level. Yeah, that could be wrong. Yeah, uh, but he was in Real Madrid's academy. For he sure, was in the yeah. academy, not Castilla. Um, yeah, so. Like and then we realized how many great players there were. When mm. you compare it to the all-time La Masia eleven for Barca, <laughs> the the La Masia eleven is actually like Amazing. unbelievably good. Like it, it yeah, would, me and Nav did this in the the last podcast, and some of the players right. he was listing was. Uh. <laughs> Diego and I did on the Churusi Tacticus podcast not long ago either. In Castilla? my yeah, well, I did Castilla. He did La Masia. Oh wow! Ah, and. I came to the conclusion that I think if they played against each other, uh, Barcelona would just wipe the floor with Castilla, I think. I think at the very top of those teams, the quality perhaps would be too much. I mean, Messi, Iniesta, Xavi, uh, the quality would be perhaps too much. Well, Um, Gunless, Guardiola, Puyol, Piquet. But again, I think we have players to match. Uh, Maybe maybe not uh, the little man, but I think we have players to match a fair few of of their players. Um, I think if you line it up well enough, you could play a nice counter-attacking game against them with good pulling strings, Raul and Butrogenio finishing chances. Uh, You could talk yourself into it, but where I was going with this is I think Barcelona's starting 11 is is obviously better. Castilla's deep, though. So Castilla has always had like a good production um, yeah. that consistently okay. like puts puts together like pretty deep. Um, and you can see that in La Liga just by going down the list of teams that have have the sheer amount of Castilla players in Spain. It's just all over. <laughs> so know. many, yeah. yeah. It would just keep improving, I think. Um. Uh, question from... Everything just froze. Okay, Brilliant. let me ask you this while I get this technical stuff sorted out. Go on. Who has been the best Castilla player this season? 
This season? Good question. Um, I would say Christo Gonzalez has really stepped up. Um, individually, everybody has stepped up. So we do have to say that first off, first of all, this team has uh, smashed their their season objective and they are looking to make a, a miracle reality. Um, but I think Christo Gonzalez has, again, really, really stepped up um, and he's been rewarded for that. I, one thing I, I, uh, I, I um, praised Solari for earlier in the podcast was his, his the link he set between Castillo in the first team and Christo benefited from that quite a lot. I think he was with them for about a month straight on every single match day squad. Hmm. Um, he played at the Liga. He played against Sevilla. He played Betis. more than I think he did. Betis, was it? Yeah. Um, so I've, I think um, Christo, yeah, for sure. He stepped up massively. Um, on that note, MB says, as fans, we risk living in denial because we're attached to the idea of certain favorite youngsters making it. But when your transfer strategy revolves around high-risk, high-reward potential stars rather than fully realized ones, Chances are you're going to get some flops. Who among our young ones do you still think we should hold on to? And who can we cut our losses on? Especially considering we have to sell players before we buy any. So this is not necessarily related to Castilla. Um, Mm. This could be just looked at in terms of just the entire squad building process of the A team and the young players and and Castilla. You can throw in whoever you like. Yeah. How would you answer this? Uh, again, it's another tough one, but there are some players. Real Madrid's loan list is is pretty extensive this season. There are, I have an idea of some players that perhaps should uh, be let go. The time's come to to move on. Um, and what was the other question? What who would you bring in? Who would who, who should we hold on to, and who should we who cut should our losses on, on? I would say hold on to. Again, there's so many young players. That talent pool is is massive for Real Madrid. I would say hold on to a fair majority at this moment in time. Um, but there are some that uh, could do with moving on. You can hold on to them as much as you like. I'm, on, I'm being really honest. I'm looking at that Castilla squad, including the players that are on loan from Castilla. This one now? Yeah. I don't okay. think... I don't think... I mean, this kind of changes the question a little bit, but I don't think a single Castilla player right now has a Real Madrid future. Yeah. Apart from perhaps a, a third goalkeeper spot. Uh, well, yeah, well, Lucas Zidane is, is destined. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, never mind then. Teo um, Zidane as well. Is Enzo yeah. going to be brought back? Oh, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, he was quite good, though. I didn't mind when he was, he was captain. I liked um, Enzo. Old man hated him. Yeah, both of them have Champions League medals. Um, but we've talked enough about that anyway. Yeah. Um, um, in terms of this Castilla squad, yeah, not much uh, comes in the way of first team potential. But the, I wouldn't see the Castilla squad as keeping players, if you know what I mean. I think it's part of that developmental circuit. Uh, it, it comes towards the end, obviously, and then they have to fly the nest and the first team have to make decisions on what happens to them. But I would say a question like that is better suited to perhaps maybe the best Castilla players, the ones that are going to move on at the end of this season for sure, mm. and the young players out on loan and in the squad. Well, the unfortunate thing is the best ones who who would have might, might have had a future otherwise, like the fullbacks, are just yeah. not going to get in over. It's going to be tough, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's the deepest um, position right now. Absolutely. Um, but then again, Sergio Reguilon has completely changed my mindset about Castilla players and their potential this season. Yeah. Everything is done goes against folklore. Um, yeah. Even more 
focus on the fact that this international break we are witnessing right now uh, was Sergio Reguilón's first ever international call-up for any Spanish youth team ever. And I think you'll find that most of the Castilla youngsters have been youth internationals at some point in time. So there was one point where Reguilón was not getting in the squad. He had never been a youth international and it just wasn't getting... Hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. Regulon was another one that I forgot to mention at the top of the podcast who just surprised me. Mm-hmm. I, I loved him with Castilla. I never thought he was going to be this good. No, I mean, he spent most of his Castilla career not making the Castilla squad. He was sent out on loan on two separate occasions. It's amazing, and he has changed my mindset because I look at the attributes that every player has, and I see, oh, maybe he could have a stint in the first team and, and completely change realistic within that Um one amazing occasion is not going to change everything. Uh, I guess we'll take this one, even though we kind of answered it. But Sarah says, do you guys think Javi Sanchez will ever be promoted to first team permanently? Does he have enough quality? Personally, I love watching him play and think he does good work on the pitch. I'm curious to know what your guys' opinion on him. So following on from that, that Reg Wilon statement, um, Javier Sanchez and his stint in the first team was also very, very, very surprisingly impressive. Um, his performance is, yeah. yeah, absolutely. He stepped up to the teams he was playing against. Um, and that has made me think that perhaps if you play a Castilla player, um, with 10 other first team players that are world-class, perhaps they, it will bring the best out of them. If you know what I mean? I mean, there's two ways that can go. Either you can have a disaster, um, and you can, see that they're out of their depth quite clearly they're you know the emotions have got to them and the occasion has got to them or that they can really shine and they can use the attributes that they definitely have they're on Real Madrid's books um to improve themselves and I think Javier Sanchez did just that and he again he scored a goal for Real Madrid he was brilliant when he played and he was there for about two two and a half months I like Javi Sanchez even last season mm. oh he's been Castilla. good his whole Castilla yeah career, but I've been really impressed for- with him that first team stint really, really, again, it was another one that surprised me. And it, again, has changed the way that I view every single Castilla player now. Um, one more Castilla question, then we'll take one kind of general Real Madrid question and then we'll wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Well, this is more of a lonely question, but Tyler Dixon says, on the loan tracker, you guys raved about Hakimi's play. Tails the opposite. What you guys haven't mentioned is also the scheme they are in and the teams they are in affecting their play. La Real have been a mess defensively, and while Teo does have his flaws, I feel he might not be with the right coach there. So I just want to say I think this is a great point that we don't we actually haven't talked about much with our Lone Tracker podcast is that our recurring theme is this season has been Atraf plays great, um, and Teo doesn't. <laughs> Although the narrative has changed a little <laughs> bit lately because Atraf actually has had a really poor like since February, Atraf and Dortmund have dropped off a cliff and Atraf has made a ton of mistakes uh, in crucial big games. And Teo has, you know, has had actually had his good moments where he does play well. I like the point that Tyler brings up because the Real Sources that are a mess defensive, they have been for two years now at least. Um and you know, putting Atraf there instead of Teo at Sociedad, you may expose him even more. So I think it's a fair point. I would also say that I still think Atraf has a way higher ceiling than Teo does. Um, I just think his understanding of the game and positional defensively is defensive positioning is way better. Um, I'll just leave it there. Question from Ahmed Al Mayahi, which is giving us a throwback question, and it's a really long question, so I'm going to summarize as best as I could. Um, 
Hi guys, first of all, before I go off on this essay, question that I have lined up for you guys. I just wanted to say the last Mailbag podcast was simply awesome and entertaining. Here's a hypothetical that I want to touch on. Back in 2009, when Perez announced that he will spend a lot of money on Galactico signings, I was both excited and concerned as to who will stay and who will go. The two players I wanted to see stay were Schneider and Robin, but as we all know, they left to dominate 2010 with Inter and Bayern, as well as getting second place in the World Cup. I always wondered since their departures that had Valdano insisted on keeping those two players, which he obviously didn't, what would our squad look like? I always thought it would be very complete. Uh, funny enough, 2010-2011, we bought players that were very similar position-wise to Schneider and Robin, which were Ozil and Di Maria. I thought that Ronaldo, Benzema, Robin, Schneider, Kaka um, could have done better if not as well as the Ronaldo, Benzema, Di Maria, Ozil, Kaka team. What do you guys think? So I, it's interesting to kind of go back to thought process back then. Is this, were you even born at this time, Sam? When were you born? <laughs> 2014? <laughs> I was young, man. I, I remember this. It was like FIFA come true. I was, I was very happy, but I was so young. I, I well, didn't, didn't you say that you became a Castilla fan when Beckham went to Real Madrid? I became a Real Madrid fan when Beckham went to Real Madrid, so that's how young I am. Right. I became a Castilla fan um, around this time, actually, funny enough. Around the 2010 season? Yeah, 2009, yeah. 2009-2010. Um, what was the dream team season again with Carvajal, Morata, those guys? 11-12. Uh, in fact, my favorite Madrid season of all time, I think. Gold trim, 100 points in the league for the first team. Yeah. Castilla won the league. Uh, for Segunda, Segunda B, in fact. Yeah, and it was a great season all around, apart from that horrific penalty shootout against Bayern. <laughs> yeah. Um, so 2009 summer. Uh, I mean, in hindsight, the the smartest thing would have been to do would have you know just to kept Robin and not buy Kaka. So then you would have had Ronaldo and Robin on the wings. And, but at the time. The context was, and I think was excusable, was that Robin just was never fit. So you had never had a guarantee. I mean, he wanted to be, be unbelievable with Bayern and had his peak there. Kaka, you could kind of foresee it because he had some health issues with Milan. He wasn't the same in his last year there. So in hindsight, it would have been way better to just keep Robin and not buy Kaka. Schneider... Uh, Schneider was, wasn't really good for Real Madrid in his last year. And I think it's one of those things with him is like you just tip your hat off for him to go somewhere else and do better. And I also think sometimes as fans, we kind of get upset when a player leaves our club and goes to another team and does well. I think we also just have to accept that sometimes, like, look, it's just a better fit somewhere else sometimes, and that's okay. And just because they do well somewhere else doesn't mean we made a mistake selling them. I think Schneider was one of those guys. Um, he had a great start for the club, teamed up well with Guti when he first arrived, but I think he, he kind of just steadily dropped off and his last season was, was not good for Real Madrid. And uh, I guess you just had to sell some players to kind of make this work. Um, you did bring in Xabi Alonso, and I think you know Guti had a good role that year too and was at, playing at a high level, even at his age at that time. So... You know, I, I get the thought process, though, Ahmed. I really do. Um, I just think, like, with Schneider it's, and, and Robin, it's one of those things, like, we kind of, un, in hindsight, it looks a bit differently than it did at that very time. Um, 
do you have anything to plug, Sam? Anything to to kind of um, end us I suppose with? in the the next few days, uh, a loan tracker, a written loan tracker, will be coming out, yeah. um, which could be quite interesting because a lot of a lot of teams who were looking to win the league or get promoted have have perhaps dropped their form recently, and some have uh, risen to the occasion. So it'll be good to see who's done what. Um, so keep an eye out for that one. Mm. Mm. Um, for hundred percent, we will. Um, you will keep us updated on your potential podcasts, obviously. Yeah. And uh, where can people find your stuff on Twitter? So uh, at Castilla Stats, uh, where I tweet everything Castilla. There's a massive game again on the weekend, even bigger than last week, perhaps. Um, they just have to keep winning. They're currently not in the playoff zone. They're one space behind. They're joint on points with fourth place. Uh, so they just need to keep uh, getting results and playing well. You also have another personal account which you don't really use. But... <laughs> no, do I don't shut this one up much. I'm, I'm on it more than you would say. I, I like a lot of good tweets. I just don't. <laughs> you don't really post much, much though. No, no. Um, you can follow it if you want. I don't think I've ever plugged it out. I don't think I even know the username. Sam Sharpie7. Up to you guys. Brilliant if you do. Thank you very much. Uh, but your choice. All right. Uh, Sam Sharp, let's do this more often. I know we always say that, but it's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> the exact sentence, yeah. Well, I think probably... Next one might be at the end of the season. We'll review everything. Yeah, absolutely. Unless uh, perhaps we should do one if Castilla um, push on and make those playoffs. Oh my god! Yeah, if they if they're in the playoffs, Mm, all of a sudden it's like all hands on deck. I can't wait. (laughs) Yeah, we have nothing else to cheer about this season. If we get Castilla in the playoffs, that that one year they made it with Marco Ciorente was really fun, even though they ended up not. Oh, I don't uh, even realize that. That was yeah, so was disappointing. Actually, they should have just walked that league. Um, they should have. Yeah, it was amazing. In their hands. Do you know? Um, last question. Do you know any any progress on on Vinicius and his his injury? Uh, he's back training. Okay. Uh, but he's training on his own. So I mean, he's not. He's not. I don't think he's full contact or anything. Okay. Because one thing I found interesting is he remains registered uh, with Castilla. So if they if they were really interested in in getting promoted. Um, Perhaps they could use a, a cheat code, which I don't think would be immoral, and, and bring him down for a week or two. Uh, it would make me not fall asleep <laughs> when tuning into those. Because <laughs> the commentators are falling asleep now, too. Yeah, yeah, a lot of new new. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, my, my gut feeling is, well, you know, maybe. I, I just, it depends on his recovery, I guess. If he, Yeah, I get the injury, really. I feel like if he comes back late enough in the season, they may just shut him down. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's a, a playoff is an intense situation they have to come back to. Oh, oh, look, that would be genius. He comes back for the playoffs. They put him there for a couple games. They're definitely Everything's in his shoulders. That would, that would be huge. Yeah, I think he. I think we would have a genuine chance of um, seeing Castilla get promoted as well if he, if he played. That's a very good Amazing. point. Very good point. Yeah. yeah. We'll keep an eye on that. Okay. All right, thank mm. you, Sam Sharp. We'll, we'll Anytime. Take care. Of course.